jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Alright. Alright, Alright, well, hey, hey Stacy, why don't why don't you tell me about it? Get your feelings out, Stacy. Well, I find it ironic that this is the week we take off from LGBT revenge movies. Uh-huh. When I am full of wrath and rage because let me this is the worst Andy Rooney impression. <laughs> Fall <laughs> it's like mickey mouse like i'm so angry <laughs> yes. uh, it's like andy rooney with a mickey mouse snapchat filter uh the point is it's been a week since we've done this show it feels like it's been six months and it's just been day after day of things that have just got me full of rage. For all you know, I mean, we could have taken a cruise, like a love boat style cruise in the amount of time it's been since our last episode, it feels like. And yet, was it a love boat or was it a wrath boat? Was it a hell boat? Was it a U-boat? Hmm? It was one of those diarrhea boats. It was a diarrhea boat, a cruise you know, ship that is shut to- down. Why does anyone go on a cruise? My God. Because it might fill up with poo, and that's hilarious. Well, yeah, that's true. For me, reading the headlines. But I mean, even without the diarrhea issues, I just trapped on a boat with people that I don't know and like having to sit at dinner with that, like just my worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's the Rosie O'Donnell cruise ship, and then we. Unless it's the Rosie O'Donnell cruise ship, and I can be Jason Voorhees. One by one. <laughs> one by one. Just a sad, poignant shot of a koosh ball floating in the pool. <laughs> a bloody koosh ball. Uh, it's like the drowned maid in Titanic, but it's just a koosh ball in poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so there goes our Rosie O'Donnell Cruise Line sponsorship. But oh, it's, fuck. you know what? I can only speak my truth. What's got your goat, Stacy? Well, first of all, Janet Weiss left Slater Kinney. And no, I'm not over it. And no, I never will be over it. I, You know, your feelings are deserved. Your feelings Thank are you. valid. Um, Thank you. What is with this, like, latex suit thing I keep hearing about? <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like the new direction. And I am 100% on Janet's side. And I think it's punk as fuck for her to be like, what is going on? Y'all don't want to be a rock band anymore. I'm out. It's kind of amazing how she's like, well, they're taking a new direction. It's clearly my time to go. Yeah, right before they go on tour. So I admire her for it. But the fact that they're done now for me is just... It hurts. It hurts my yeah. heart place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing. That right? sucks. I'm sorry. Another thing, I feel like I'm boiling alive because it's hot out. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> oh, the weather is the other thing, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey. 
I Who do feel... I talk to about the AC in here? Well, <laughs> it's the first week of July, and I feel like the poor unfortunate soul in My Bloody Valentine who was boiled alive amongst the hot dogs. Oh, I should not feel this way. Or the nurse in Halloween too, when Michael held her under that pool and boiled her face off. But his hand Man, was fine. Is... But his hand was his, fine. His hand was fine. But then it got burnt later in the other one. But then it wasn't burnt again after that. So Michael's yeah. just, he's like fluctuating burn resistant. That death, by the way, is like so brutal and sad. <laughs> it really is. It really is. That movie is has got a hard edge to it. Yeah, it does. Right? Yeah. I, I like it. I mean, how can you not like that wig that Jamie Lee Curtis is wearing? I'm oh thinking, like, they all act like we're not going to notice. <laughs> Are they fooled yet? <laughs> Are they fooled? It's like the worst wig. That is a Stacey Ponder budget wig. Yeah, on the chalkboard where it says Sam Hain next to it. <laughs> out of the yeah. frame, it also says wig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all right. And one last thing is that for. Now, look, we all know by now that I like to cultivate an aesthetic that is 65-year-old at the local steakhouse in 1978. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. However, I have had You Decorated My Life by Kenny Rogers stuck in my head for like four days. And I don't what? know why. I don't know why it's there. I didn't hear it. All I know is that one line and it's just repeating in my head over and over and I feel like I'm going to turn into Son of Sam or something. Oh my god, maybe you need some head on. You can just apply it directly to the forehead. Maybe. Also, like, you decorated my life? Why is that a thing? Let alone a song. Why is it stuck in your head? Kenny Rogers? I don't know. Yeah, you decorated my life. That's all I know. And it just keeps playing over and over. Like, I mean, it's just, it's torture. And I think about it and I'm like, how was that a thing? Because honestly, like, if some girl said to me, you decorated my life, I would say out loud, oh, that's nice. In in my head, I would say, does she have brain damage? Because what does it even mean? <laughs> Listen, the mysteries of Kenny Rogers are legion. Uh, that's true. I that's mean, true. let's look at the the, the short lived roasters empire. I know Kenny but Rogers. Why? Had... <laughs> but why is the his the first sentence in his Wikipedia bio? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've been listening to Slater Kenny all week in tribute and in my morning. And yet, what's the song that's stuck in my head? Kenny Rogers. You decorated my life. <laughs> See, God giveth, no, God taketh Slater Kenny, God giveth Kenny Rogers. <laughs> that's that's a that's an even exchange, right? That's just like that's Indiana a, Jones when trade. he swaps out the idol with the Kenny Rogers rotisserie chicken and then is crushed by a boulder immediately after. <laughs> I'm waiting for that boulder, baby. <laughs> Let it roll out as long as the song stops. Like, I'm uh, anyway. So, that's been my week. I know your week has been totally cool. But <laughs> my week I, is... <laughs> you've had a great week. Nothing compared to the trials and tribulations you know, of my life. 
now I hear about now that I I understand that someone else has been through it this week. Um, between <laughs> between the sun or Kenny Rogers anthems <laughs> or latex costumes, I feel seen. <laughs> Do you feel that your troubles pale in comparison? Yeah, I'm going to have to say, yeah, being the target of a conservative backlash across, like, thousands of websites on the internet, um, I really feel like, uh, you know, I'm the the they that cried wolf right now compared to the realities (laughs) of what you face, Stacey. (laughs) Did I decorate your life? You decorated my fucking life. And let me tell you, she's open concept. (laughs) (laughs) She's got an indoor-outdoor entertaining experience. (laughs) She sure sure does. (laughs) No, but I'm happy. I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to hear about... um, Because even the thing that's going on with me, for people that don't know, is uh, pictures of my drag queen story time got out. Um, from a year ago, they've been out on the internet, but a conservative site found them lifesite news, uh, com. This is a paid advertisement. Use 20% off your, uh, <laughs> Catholic scourge whip <laughs> with go Deborah Hill. But, uh, uh, yeah, lifesite news picked it up and now it's just like thousands of strangers on the internet talking about me. Um, so I've, I've experienced simultaneous rage and, uh, sadness, uh, and, and also, uh, excitement over, um, the sheer amount of publicity that it has garnered me. So that's helpful. This is true. That's helpful. But honestly, you know, this thing is so fucking stupid that hearing about Kenny Rogers really does (laughs) truly brighten my day. (laughs) Well... I only hope that you get this song stuck in your head and then you'll know honestly, true misery. Honestly, it is a crueler fate. It's like, I'm absolutely serious. <laughs> I would rather deal with this than have a Kenny Rogers song stuck in my head on loop. <laughs> well, I can only imagine what it's like to see yourself out there and center of a narrative that you have no part in. Like, I can't imagine that that's fun. It's- it's strange it's very it's very strange um it it's funny because it's like that thing of constantly reminding myself it's not about me it's about just homophobia Um, yeah but if anything it has taught me the value of lgbtq revenge month and or wrath month depending on which millennial you're talking to (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i'm just like of course just as you said of course we're starting this episode after this hell of a week not talking about lgbtq revenge month Right. Although, although an, there's some revenge, an yeah. argument could be made that we are still seen. Uh, yeah. This oh, week. for sure, absolutely. And actually, with all of with all of the, um, because you know the the film we're talking about today uh, is about grief in part, um, and and I have been experiencing some like weird grieving and stages of grief where now I'm like experiencing the anger part. Um, but the whole thing I've been thinking this whole time is like, uh, instead of thinking about this, I should probably just go see Midsummer again. Because yeah. Danny will understand me and Pella Dan- will be yeah. right there waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like him. I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's good to put a nice spin on it. Yeah. At least be able to shove it to the side. Because, I mean, what can you... There's nothing you can do. No, like like Varla Jean Merman says in the acclaimed film Girls Will Be Girls, uh, feelings are like treasures, so bury them. And (laughs) I'm following through with that advice right now. (laughs) Just thinking about Sweden instead. (laughs) There you go. No, but for real, like, um, the outpouring of support has been amazing and now it's like i'm in that weird place where i don't know what to do with because the internet is such a weird thing that like i experienced the weirdness of being involved in this to begin with like being at the eye of a hurricane that really has nothing to do with you um but simultaneously now i have like a million incredible messages from so many great friends and supporters and and it's really nice but now i'm like what do i do with this inbox i feel like i have to respond to every single person and i want to but it's bit big yeah and i have to say thank you to the gaylords listeners because so many of you have reached out and that's been really 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 sweet it's put a smile on this old dead crow's heart which i don't (laughs) know why there's a mouth there but we'll just go with the (laughs) metaphor (laughs) very suspiria it is yeah yeah listeners you decorate our lives i honestly (laughs) it's the one time i agree with that sentiment yes You do decorate our lives. Oh, well, that's our new motto, apparently. (laughs) So, Midsummer. Midsummer is here, man. It is here. You went to the premiere. I did. That was fun. I don't know why I got invited, but I got invited and I went and it was a lot of fun. They There were free popcorns and free waters. Wait, that's water. it? They didn't have no, like... And, and there was a signature drink that was like the drink in the... I mean, it wasn't like the drink in the movie because, I mean, I had one and nothing happened. But, you know, it was modeled after the drink in the film and there was a party and it was really fun. I'm glad Wait, I went. Like the period tea? The mushroom period tea? Uh, I guess so. Or like the, the yeah, the the one that they were doling out. The one that looked like pee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, it was a great time. That's great amazing. Movie. How was the audience at that? I can only imagine. Because I saw it the, the second night. I missed, I didn't get to go the, the like preview night. So I went the second night, um, which I think was technically the release date. And it was sold out crowd. And the audience was fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, the audience was really receptive, really vocal in terms of like laughter and stuff. So much laughter. So much laughter. And it was nice because I thought, well, this is going to be a respectful crowd. Yeah. Because the filmmaker and the cast are here. So they're going to be quiet. And they were, except when they were laughing or gasping or whatever. So it was really, it was a great crowd. Yeah, it was a great crowd. Yeah, I can't imagine Midsummer being a movie that anyone's going to pop out their phone and check Reddit uh, during. Yeah, but I, would I hope not. I would but. never put it past a discount Tuesday crowd. Actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I wonder. I think it's weird because it's apparently it's polling pretty high with audiences, which is surprising because horror movies generally don't, and Hereditary certainly didn't. Yeah, Hereditary had like a D from whatever cinema score or whatever bullshit that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is doing much better, and I think it's I. Th- 
I think a lot of complaints come from people who feel misled by the trailer, and I totally understand that. It was. It's been marketed as like a crazy like move, horror movie that's gonna really like fuck you up and blah blah blah. And it does, but in a different way, I think, than what people would expect from those trailers. Yes. 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 I think. Yeah. But also, I love how it. I I love the trailer misdirection with both this and Hereditary. I mean, I've talked about the Hereditary misdirection all like so much on this podcast. Um, but I think they did something similar and. And I, I, I love, I absolutely was stunned and and truly am in love with what I saw. Um, oh, I, I am beyond in love. No, I just think for me, it was like the hereditary misdirection was an issue of plot. Mm, like, mm-hmm. it, this is more it, tone. Made, and this was like a tonal kind of thing. Like you would never get from the trailers that this is basically a dark comedy. Yeah. With horror, yeah. with a lot of horror oh, in it, but I think the tone is off, and I've seen that a lot of times before, and it's just, I don't know. I guess I watched the trailer once, and then I forgot everything I saw because I'm a prolific stoner, and then, <laughs> I, wa- and then I watched the movie not expecting anything except to be joyed. Yeah. And I was joyed. I was joyed left, right, up, down, and six ways till Sunday. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I, every, I didn't read any advanced reviews or anything, but every like tweet or whatever of people who saw it at screenings and stuff, like the word funny kept coming up. And so I think that really tempered my horror expectations, but it just went to places I didn't expect. And I just like, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Oh, same. 100%. And, and well, I guess to be fair, you did tell me it was very funny. So then I went into it knowing that. But also, like, I thought Hereditary was hilarious. And I, Jason and I were the only, and our friend Heather, were the only people laughing in the theater. Uh, yeah. no, nobody else thought that was funny. But I was cracking up the entire way through Hereditary. So now, having seen this, I'm like, no, I think it is funny still. And Ari Aster knows what he's doing. Hmm. He's a little, yeah. tr- he's a little troll in his little yeah. glasses with his little jeans. <laughs> he's very small. He's very <laughs> small. He's very small. Um, yeah. I well, a lot of people were like, I saw Midsummer, and I just like, what did I even just see? I'm never gonna recover. And it's like that's all pre-release hyperbole. I think. Like, yeah. I think if you just go into it and watch and expect a folk horror film then you're gonna be like all right i've seen this before basically yeah this is a fancier quote-unquote more pretentious folk horror film oh and it just pretense all over me please (laughs) i I loved i loved all that pretense oh yeah it decorated my life with flowers and meat pies and pube pies <laughs> and pubie pies, pubie pies. And just... We oh my. first thing we did after the movie is we went to the store and we bought a bunch of packets of wildflowers and have put them all in our backyard. <laughs> I'm building a yellow A-frame. I've got my yellow hoses in the garage. Um, I'm gonna go on a trip. I'm gonna wow. invite over some conservative bloggers, and I'm gonna have Do my it. own. I'm gonna have my own festival. Right? Yeah, I can't wait to just see Carla's face poking out of a mound of flowers. Yeah, like a giant blue meanie. Yeah, <laughs> screaming yeah. and wailing in a field. 
Oh my God, this movie, right? How do we, how do we even begin? Which is something I say often, but this time you I say truly that every, mean it. You say it every week about every movie. But I truly mean it this time. Not to say I'm not sincere, but everyone knows it's all a ruse. Yeah. But this time. <laughs> this show is entirely scripted. It's absolutely, we are just as, just as artificial as the simple life who are our <laughs> idols. And which is coming back with Lindsay Lohan though, instead of Nicole Richie. What? Yeah. They're bringing back the simple life with Paris and Lindsay. What? Like I'll fucking allow it. I mean, Lindsay's really? done some things, but I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This just in, Stacy. I'm getting reports of well, what you just said. Wow, I don't know how that'll work because Lindsay, like, first of all, I mean, I love Lindsay Lohan, but she's so self-serious. Yeah, and she's very different vibe than Nicole Richie, who is a chaos witch. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious to see how that'll go. Also, like, with them a little bit older, like, in the modern day, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but... Paris Hilton has to be pushing 40, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tune in for it. Oh, yeah. I say, oh, yeah, but I won't because it's on TV and... Yeah, I don't even have ca- I don't even like have cable, you know. Well, Stacey, you're so cool. I don't even have so TV. I don't have TV. I don't watch any like, of these movies. So I just authentic. think about them a lot and like read the plot synopsis and then I look at the Rotten Tomatoes score and then <laughs> Do you know how many I, people I know they're like, "Oh, I'm not going to watch it. I read the whole plot synopsis." And I'm like, "Excuse me." Oh my god <laughs> makes me so angry yeah no i i do have a tv it decorates my life <laughs> oh god <laughs> i can't stop this is ponty pool this is my it is ponty pool stacy just no matter what do not try to crawl inside anyone's mouth <laughs> you will be fine no promises <laughs> If I've had a couple of wine coolers, who knows what could happen? <laughs> this just in, less on wine coolers. Causes scene, crawls into stranger's mouth and explodes. <laughs> uh, it's Wrath Month, bitch. It was reported to be singing You Decorated My Life by Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Uh, hey pride is over i don't have to have any pride or shame anymore and it's true live my life (laughs) authentically you that's right well hopped up on bartles and james (laughs) that's just another little tip of the hat to the over 60 crowd What is even happening in this episode? I told you it's hot outside. It is I think, hot. I We're think like, my, my brain is going softer is than a, usual. But this is, I, I'm with you. You're like hot and and grieving Slater Kenny and traumatized <laughs> by Kenny Rogers. I'm, it's overcast in July and cold here and I'm grieving uh internet shit and this is the perfect time to talk about midsummer honestly <laughs> it really is because because you uh, you know what it is it's a it's the the reboot of a film i well like the synopsis to called how stella got her groove back 
That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what Midsummer is, okay? It is. It's, and that's why it matters. It's the Wicker Man and how Stella got her groove back had two parallel babies. Yes. Which makes sense in my head. Yes. Uh, yeah. And here we are, Midsummer. Here we are, just like, <laughs> we, are, we are mourning and wailing, and then a slow smirk just dawns on our face. That final shot. Oh, fuck, right? I literally had to tell myself to stay in my seat and not to clap until it was over. I oh should have just gone for it because I like I I just wanted to because it was fucking great. That final shot is just I loved it. And I'm like this is apparently this is what I want in movies now is like uh and and then I thought, well, okay, hold on, let me finish one thought before I start another one. Here we see what happens <laughs> when I get excited. Thoughtception. Thoughtception, it all comes out at once. But I thought, oh, okay, Stacey. So what you really enjoy is a horror flavor. It's not all I like, clearly. I like Hagazusa. But I do enjoy a horror flavored eat, pray, love yogurt journey for women <laughs> characters. Right? Yeah, oh my which, God, you know, this is what I like. Suspiria could be said to be that. Um, absolutely. The witch. The witch is absolutely that. Annabelle, obviously, <laughs> is that. <laughs> Please, people, we have had Annabelle revelations. We talked about them on the last episode. But <laughs> after the last episode, when Anthony and I were talking about stuff after we were off the air, and, and Anthony said, I love how it's gone from I might be falling in love with Annabelle to I love Annabelle. She's everything. She's the best thing. She's my icon. She's my hero. Like There was no falling in love. It was just there. I am so sad we weren't recording uh, during that conversation because there was the most beautiful moment where you just started cackling like with out of sheer surprise. <laughs> Like I could hear, I was just as surprised as you were as it came out of your mouth, and you just start saying, "Oh my God, I love Annabelle! I love <laughs> Annabelle! <laughs> I love her!" Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was quite. It's it felt like a milestone in my life to admit this. So yeah, hell yeah, and I'm right there with you, you know. And and after this week, Annabelle is all I have. Annabelle, <laughs> it's, it's all we have. I'm going to put on my flower crown. I'm going to decorate my head um, with my flower crown. <laughs> decorate uh, my head. <laughs> I'm just going to watch Annabelle over and over. <laughs> Annabelle's terrible. The first one, I watched it like that oh, it's fucking awful. night. Like that night, I was like, I have to see this movie. I've never seen it. Annabelle is my icon and hero of the ages. And uh, it's fucking terrible. Like <laughs> I suspected. I wrote about if you care to read something, I know that you enjoy people who are listening to this. I know you like reading with your ear holes to a podcast. If you want to read with your eyeballs, finalgirl.rocks, I wrote a thing about my new love of Annabelle because it's just, it had to, I, that movie sucks so bad. <laughs> it's terrible. And yet your post about it made me love it. 
<laughs> so like this is <laughs> this is your ring virus, Stacy. I think it is. <laughs> I shared it. I shared it with my friend Destiny, who I shouted out on our last episode. Destiny, who got me started on Annabelle, who I saw Annabelle three with, and Destiny, who was obsessed with Annabelle, wrote back. I love this post. She said everything about Annabelle that I didn't even know how to put into words. <laughs> oh! <laughs> wow. So that you're is like high praise. High you're praise. the new like Pope of Annabelle. You know this. You've uh, started uh, uh, something that now we can't stop and will only spiral completely out of control. <laughs> it's true. Look forward to our Annabelle episode, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> blame the hot nun. If you want to blame someone, blame the hot nun. It's right. usually the hot nun's fault. It's always a hot nun. That's how they get you. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I like a horror flavored yogurt journey. So sue me, okay? There. Listen, to be fair, there are not a lot of them. This is basically a new genre. Um, right. And it is it it it's mirroring everything that I want to be seeing in a film that I yeah. never thought I would get to see, and sometimes things that I didn't know I needed to see. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I needed a Wicker Man and how Stella got her groove back crossover, and yet <laughs> yeah. I was fucking beaming in the theater. Yeah, well, it's like a it's kind of a new kind of Final Girl, right? It's like all we had for so long. We're final girls. And look, I love a final girl. Especially myself. <laughs> no, Team. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I am not a final I am not a final girl candidate. Like I know this about myself. <laughs> Who in which order would you go? Would you be the first to go? I'd be one of the first ones, yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. I make bad decisions. I panic. <laughs> I make bad decisions. I just don't have that Ginny Jean to get me through. <laughs> The Ginny Jean. Jason, similar. He's the one that's always like, what's that sound? And immediately runs towards it. Like, but that was all we had. And it's like, yeah, these women are fucking amazing. However, like at least half of them, like we never see again or can anticipate what their lives will be after this. Most of them go crazy from the experience. Like I think of Sally Hardesty in the back of that truck at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, like what a fucking survivor. Absolutely. She's also lost her mind, you know. Yeah. What? What is she? What? What life is she gonna live after that? Yeah. Or even the ones that like, re- like that I adore, like Jenny or Chris Higgins. Like, look at Chris Higgins. She's a freaking cuckoo brain after. It's yeah, all over. Chris Higgins. She's carted off to the home after that. Yeah. And so this new genre and these new women are like really can take taking control of their own lives and their own narrative in different ways. And they're like power fantasies. And I'm like, oh, this is what it's like. They're <laughs> vengeful, which is it's hilarious to me and shocking that this film does fit with LGBTQ Revenge Month. <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah. I consider feminist stories LGBTQ or queer stories, basically, you know. Um, and, and they're also... Uh, they overlap with villain, villain, villainousness. Yes. Um, sometimes, like they they make decisions that maybe morally the viewer might not agree with, or a, a, a I guess you know a, a normative viewer might not absolutely go along with, and yet they're not judged for these decisions, and they're allowed to have them, and they're allowed to to do them, and to make these decisions for their own well being. Right. Regardless of what society or of what um, what culture, history, any of these things tell them they should be doing. 
Yes. And all these yeah. films are counter to that. They're countercultural films at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because looking at them through a certain lens, it's like they're all villains. Like, they kill people. They kill innocent people. They, like, you know, to a certain percentage of the population, a witch is not a good guy. <laughs> you oh, know what I mean? I mean, Suspiria is a critique of fascism. Yet by the end, Susie shows up, asserts power, it orchestrates a revolution, blows up everybody with what yeah. might be said to be a fascist action. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the witch, she kills her fucking mom. Her whole family's dead. She yeah. goes off and says, fuck you, I'm going to eat some butter. <laughs> <laughs> and some babies. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, I mean, but I just see them as, like, total freedom and women, like, rising up. It feels so corny, but it just feels like, you know, women taking control of their narrative. Like, especially, I think Midsummer was really good at showing how men and women have been conditioned over the ages and how they act in response to that yes but like like just such small touches like the argument that danny has with her boyfriend christian she goes to him with a very valid concern and is like hey when you did this it really bothered me and by the end of that conversation she's apologizing to him oh throughout the whole movie she's doing that she's always she is always um Coming She's to him with an issue and then apologizing by the end of it and then taking ownership for her own uh, problems with him. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, women it's do a, that all the time. Yeah, it's gaslight. It's a whole movie about gaslighting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's part just part of it. Right. Yeah. It's someone... That's the thing is people are like, oh, it's, it's about grief. And I think grief obviously plays into it. And I think how we interact, like, our views on death how we anticipate death, how it impacts us is a huge part of this film. It's like another theme of it, obviously, but the actual death and all of that is almost a MacGuffin. I I absolutely agree. Um, And it's more about a woman who is filled with anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. like coming to like, she's been ignored and belittled and like in a benign kind of way that happens to women all the time. And she's been gaslit and it's just like about her very slowly like becoming her own person and shedding all of that bullshit. Yeah. Shedding an entire life. An Mm -hmm. entire life. And that's that's what's uh, I've been thinking a lot about how people say, you know, center the story around grief, which there are there are different forms of grief shown in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the, like you're saying, the MacGuffin. Yes, it opens with uh, her family. In what is one of the most fucked up sequences I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It opens with her sister committing a murder-suicide, uh, killing herself and killing her parents at the same time with that ho- the two hoses attached to the car um, exhaust pipes okay. in the middle of the night as her parents are sleeping. It's a fucked up image. It's terrifying. It's profoundly sad. Um, and yet it the movie... It's in the same way that Hereditary is about grief and loss of a loved one. This is, that is used, that that opening sequence of grief, the movie really isn't about that. It's it's more, I mean, the movie is about a breakup. The movie is about breaking up. Right. And about shucking all the dead weight that is holding you back from being who you are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And she does it in a really extreme way, but it's also... It's it was unexpected to me. It wasn't unexpected 
like at the end of the film she has a choice to sacrifice her boyfriend or sacrifice one of the villagers Mm -hmm. and she chooses to sacrifice her boyfriend and that wasn't completely unexpected to me but her smile at the end was especially after everything everything we've seen with this character yes and the constant denial of her own feelings yes and the constant running from the reality of her feelings so much of this movie is her running um Mm -hmm. and leaving situations and not wanting to confront how she's actually feeling and then when she finally does it is the most satisfying thing it's it for me that last frame changes the movie completely it shifts into something it 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 encapsulates the movie and it also sort of comes out of it's very deserved but it comes out especially when we look at it across other films in the genre like the wicker man or (laughs) the wicker tree (laughs) Um, which also has an amazing may queen uh it shifts it just enough and, and or so profoundly that um it's so unexpected and it it's it it almost feels like a different movie at that point. And it becomes a totally different read of how you take it. Hmm. Uh, for me, at least as I was experiencing it the first time. And I just love it. I just love it. So much. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've seen a lot of reactions and this is a blanket statement and it's by no means universal, like not meant to, like I realize that that's what it is. And this is not true for everybody, but a lot of the reactions I've seen are men saying like, it's, it's fine. I haven't. It's nothing I haven't seen before in horror movies a million times. And a lot of women are saying like, wow, this really resonated with me. And I was crying as I left the theater because yeah. it was just like really real. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, I think I think I sent you a, a quote from Ari Aster that I thought was really incredible where he talks about how for this film, it's two different movies um and there's he said for the men in the film it's just a conventional folk horror movie but the unexpected twist is that in reality it's actually a fairy tale for danny yeah and and i i could totally see how like a male horror viewer would say oh i've never seen this because i've already seen that before because they're just watching the folk horror movie and that's what they're responding to right yeah and they don't understand the realities of what women or of what like marginalized people that get gaslit they get told they're not people that aren't taken seriously um they don't know what that experience is like they can't empathize with it and therefore they don't see it honestly yeah they just don't even see it. that was something that i mentioned kind of in our last episode where we were talking about text versus subtext and all of that and i said like don't underestimate straight people I, you know, like that it can be unless it's blatantly spelled out and said right in front of a lot of the audience, like they just don't see a film that way. It just doesn't occur to them at all. And I think, yeah, that's the case here. Yeah. Because he just hit on so many small truths in this film that like the the one where um Connie is like Ingmar says that, oh, Connie and I dated blah, blah, blah. And she says, we went out one time and I didn't even know it was a date. Yes. And, and then Ingmar like, still kind of holds on to that and says yeah. another thing. And I'm like, wow, that is some fucking Natalie Portman and Moby shit right there. <gasps> oh my God, it so is. Like, we just witnessed that same thing in real life. Like, this is what happens. That's a insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I have to say this. I have been thinking a lot about little Mr. Aster. Mm-hmm. 
ever since I saw this movie because, you know, I, I thought after I read some interviews with him about Hereditary, I thought he was a pud. Yeah. Um, I, st- I still loved Hereditary. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I thought it was really affecting and terrifying. Um, but I thought, okay, well, this director just lucked out with a really great actress and a really great uh, mood. Because um, right. he just said something about how it wasn't in any anyone playing that role would have been incredible or something. It was, it was the material that was strong, not as much the performance. He was referring to Tony Collette. Yeah. And I think maybe I must have missed something in translation or or maybe this guy has grown or something because I'm just, it's almost like that feeling I get with the Stepford Wives of how did men create this? Um, Ari Aster seems really thoughtful and really tuned in to women's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of thought and depth and artistry to be able to make this story and to tell the story like as a dude filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah, it just, it shocks me um, seeing this story, especially coming from from this guy. And yeah, it's, it really kind of fits as a natural progression from Hereditary. And, and it just shows me, I just can't wait to watch everything he does. I know. Yeah, it got me really, like, it just kind of solidified for me that he's like the real deal, at least in terms of someone that I feel like I'm on his wavelength. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or he's on mine or something because it was mm-hmm. like, wow, you're making horror movies just for me? Thank you so much. That's really thoughtful of you. So. <laughs> and this, let me tell you, this, I, I, you know, I always go back and forth on this. Like, is it uh, a good actor or a good director? Do you need both? Can you have a bad actor and have a great director who delivers great performances from their, or is able to pull great performances from their actors? Um I think this guy, Ari Aster works with some incredible, he is great at casting. He works with incredible actors in these two films of his so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy knows how to direct actors. And yes. And let me tell you, he could not have, between this and Hereditary, he could not have chosen two more perfect leads for his films with Tony Collette and Hereditary, who we still know was fucking snubbed as all hell of like any recognition for that film, for what was mm-hmm. one of the greatest performances I've ever seen on film. Uh, and now that just that just that train keeps a chugging with Florence mm-hmm. Pugh in this movie. I lost my mind for her. Yeah. Oh, she was fucking incredible. And I'm already angry that she probably that she's not going to get nominated. You know what I mean? Like next oh, yeah. year's our next snubbies episode. Oh, I feel like there's not even going to be the fact that they're like mostly unknowns in this film. Yeah. Uh, Except, like, the guy from The Good Place, and, and she did, like, Lady Macbeth, and I still need to see that. Um, I, I just feel like this is going to get no recognition. But she mm-hmm. is fucking incredible. I could look at her stink face forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She had, there's this moment that has stuck with me so well, and I think it's it's when they're waiting to see what's going to happen on the cliff, basically, and they're all standing there. And there's like a shot from above of Danny and Christian standing there and she's just kind of fidgeting slightly and you see her breathing slightly through her mouth, just kind of going. (sighs) (sighs) And it was just such a beautiful, uh, you know, Colin, one of Colin Drucker's, you know, micro moments of acting where it's like you can just see her doing all the work to stave off a panic attack. Yes. And it was just so small and understated and she didn't need to be like, oh, God, oh, no. And and there are plenty of histrionics (laughs) in this film. But like that that moment 
just like really stood out to me is like she is absolutely conveying exactly what that feeling is like by doing so little like purposeful shit you know that's the real challenge of this movie and this is i mean i think ariaster is really in onto camp um in a brilliant mm-hmm. way where i think i think he draws from a lot of camp i've said this about her too i'm saying this about this he's really able to navigate absolutely over the top what the fuck while doing it very small and microcosmic um yes. and and nuanced to, to yeah. throw in another colonism <laughs> like he, yeah it's and and florence Pugh, i mean is the perfect actress to convey that and it's because she's able to when you're watching when you're watching old Swedish people throw themselves off cliffs and then explode or have to have their heads shattered with mallets because they're still alive and you're still focusing in on just the small reactions of this one woman mm-hmm. and is she yeah. gonna be okay and can she breathe it's mind-blowing uh yeah yeah how, yeah how like you create because those are the big violent shocker moments right like there were few of them and they were really impactful <laughs> old people fall into their deaths. <laughs> impactful get it but I yeah but to, but to then have her really hold holding the attention at least for me like she was the one holding my attention absolutely and how do you create a small character study in such a large full-scale yeah bonkers nine day swedish coachella from yeah. hell <laughs> like yeah he just has a way of picking the like you said the right actors who can do this it's a combination of he there he's giving them everything they need somehow on the page and in his direction and they know how to run with it yeah it's beautiful like it doesn't always happen (laughs) it's pretty rare actually for that to happen but he's done it twice now yeah he's great at casting shitheads um He's great at casting shitheads. Who was the shithead? Gabriel Byrne in Hereditary and Jack Raynor in this one as one of the biggest, one of the most profound puds I've ever seen on film. Christian is such a Mm fuckboy. The quintessential fuckboy. Yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, comments from men in places on this movie that they're like, Christian's only real pro, like he wasn't bad, which is true. I like that he wasn't like a full caricature bad boyfriend. It felt very real, you know, he wasn't over the top and like, he was abusive in his way, but it wasn't just blatant, I guess. Uh, And so I've seen a lot of comments that are like, but his only real problem is that he's weak. What? And it's and it's like, well, yeah, from early on, you you know, as an audience member, you're saying, like, both of them, like, just break up. Like, just break up. One of you just fucking break up. <laughs> and so I guess you could look at that as being, but it's like, no, that's not his biggest problem. His, you know, it's like the men in both of these films, Hereditary and this one, control with detachment. Yeah, and they're not honest. They're not honest. They're living a lie. They're not, uh, you know, open to communication. They're just really detached and shut off. And they're not emotionally available. And they, because of that, they just control everything. Because the women yeah. capitulate. And, I mean, immediately, just in the one of the first scenes, you know, she calls him. She's freaking out. She's crying over not hearing from her sister after getting that terrifying email. And then the next call, which is almost more upsetting, is her talking to her friend about how she can hear him just waiting 
to come up to say something to her that he's not saying mm-hmm. and that's so real i mean like that's one of my exes was like exactly that kind of story this is a very real character um i think if i had any issues with the movie honestly it was like his pudness became a little much like by the time he's like i'm gonna do this thesis too and we would yeah. never associate with this guy but at the same time that just almost made it so much more deserved right that yeah, i think it up, for, up the stakes yeah for an audience to then really get with and behind it um i think we kind of need even more assholery from him yeah. uh but God, he's such a shithead. <laughs> yeah. Well, that also, in terms of like the folk horror story, it's like contrasting the two groups of people. It's like the three men are all assholes, each in their own specific way. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's just disrespecting these, like, you know, um, Josh ends up taking pictures of their Bible when he's explicitly told not to. Yeah, Mark yeah. pees on the ancestors in the tree. Mark, yeah, and Christian does all the shit that he does, you know, and versus, you know, like just the whole like strangers in a strange land kind of thing. So I, yeah. he just upped the ante at the end, I think. And that's that's something, too, when we talk about when we begin talking about that, about how people react. I'm interested in the morality of this film. Um, I'm interested in how there are four outsiders that they need right according to the to the end of the final ritual they need yeah. four outsiders four tributes from within the cult and then the queen's choice and there's seven outsiders come i think because we have the three guys we have her we have connie and simon right that's six yeah i, I can't count so we have one extra I'll, ultimately i mean obviously she ends up becoming the may queen but Pella invited just the four guys. Right. And then Danny ends up coming along. So I was interested in like, what is the morality behind how they die or is like why the cult kills them? And I did notice like Danny is says, I'm sorry to so many people in the cult. She says, thank you. Mm-hmm. She act, goes along with the ritual. She looks at the woman in the eyes as she serves her the tea. She She's, learns their language basically by the end of it. Oh my god, one of my favorite scenes is her suddenly speaking Swedish and they just know, they just understand each other. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I almost cried. It was so funny, but I almost cried because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um Danny's like there's kind of there's like sort of a critique of just asshole tourism or that 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 kind of festival American culture where it's like these just dips show up. Uh, Connie and Simon scream at everyone during the during the Antistupa mm-hmm. ritual. Um, yeah, and then the three other guys all have their fuck ups, and it's like she's the only one that went just with an open heart, even with everything that she was judging and and being traumatized with, mm-hmm. and everything that was triggering her grief. She still was like ultimately a kind person. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they're greeted at the when they first arrive and they're greeted by the elder dude. And he says, like, welcome, welcome, everybody. And to her, he says, welcome home. Oh, and he hugs her versus everyone else yeah. who shakes their hands. Yeah. So it, 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 I think it plays nicely with that. How much is preordained? How much is just they instinctively know about her? You know, it's like just the whole folk horror aspect. Was Pella it. trying to get her to come? Was right. it a happy accident that she ended up coming? That's what I'm fascinated in. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, now that now that I've been I've I saw it twice in twenty four hours because I am a, <laughs> a nut. Um, <laughs> and I have to say too, the first time um, because I, I so I have some triggers in film, and mm-hmm. one thing that's really rough for me to get through in movies, I think maybe because of my religious background, is uh, any kind of authoritarian, culty like religious thing basically that's like telling people what they can or can't do or affecting people's lives is always really hard for me so i was experiencing this simultaneous like resentment of the cult (laughs) as i was watching it the first time um and like wanting that like fantasy where danny ends up just killing everybody and running away or whatever um and then i got that last shot where she smiled and i was like oh okay so I'm very aware that I was bringing my own bullshit to that to that reading. No, I think that's I think that's completely fair. I think it's kind of fascinating, and I think it's up to the viewer to think about and decide. And I'm probably going to go back and forth. And as empowering as I found that last shot, as beautiful as I thought it was, and it made me want to stand up. And I'm like, this is everything I want in a movie. There is the question: Is Danny just trading one manipulator for another? Yeah, that could be. And even looking at some of the, uh, I've been looking at interviews with the, I have, I, I haven't clicked on the Vulture article yet that says the, tw- the twisted ending explained. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> because really you need to explain. I mean, Suspiria, I was shocked that people were like, what does it mean? But this, you don't right. understand what that last shot means, you dumbass. Yeah, so save it for <laughs> David Lynch movies. You yeah, know? exactly. Something like, that maybe could use some unbacking right. um, versus something that is so right there in your face. Uh, so I've been reading interviews with like the production crew and, and with Ari Aster and with Florence Pugh and the production designer. This was OK. World building in this movie is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And this was his first feature as a production designer, uh, oh, which is nuts to me because it is so fleshed out and so ethereal and takes you to another planet almost to fucking weird Harga Swedish planet. Yeah. Um, but, but he was talking about how like, you know, yellow and blue is a recurring motif in the film and between the yellow hose, the yellow A-frame, the blue um, sleeping quarters. Uh, and that's because the Swedish flag is yellow and blue. And he incorporated that because he wanted to create a sense of, nationalism and he wanted to align the cult with nationalism and how it's wrong uh and so he was like sort of creating his own coded like villain uh key for the cult through that interesting Um, ultimately on my second viewing even thinking about that i'm like i just took it as almost with us like i just took it or as ari aster said it's a fairy tale which i think we've talked about us being that too where I don't even look at the cult really as a cult, but just this idea. I mean, that is fascinating to think about. Is she leaving one for another manipulator? But that idea of um, just raising everything from your past life that was weighing you down. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and finding, like, for me, it all comes through when Pella is sitting with her in the sleeping quarters. And he says, to, like, he asks her about Christian. And he's like, no, really think about it. Does he make you feel held? Does he feel like home? Right. And then she finds that with them. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think cult is the wrong word for this. I think it's a commune. You know, like yeah, it's, it's a it's a family. It's, it's a family. And I like for me as is when I'm watching this like one of the most beautiful moments also was when she's May Queen and they have the tradition of like no one sits down until Uh-huh. 
the chosen person sits down and just the look on her face when it's like finally she's being validated as a fucking human because she sits and then everyone else sits and it was so beautiful and and the scene the one that sticks with me and made me go like huh was a little bit of stuff that Pella said um honestly when every time she tried to articulate something and he'd be like no 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 I know exactly what you mean I go through the same exact thing and he kind of wouldn't let her Hmm. articulate what she was actually feeling and i thought that was reflected in the scene where she's in the barn and she's just seen the fucking crazy sex ritual happening and she's crying and breathing and they all start doing it in sync and surrounding her and it's like this is really beautiful and she's being validated yeah she's also being drowned out and smothered and she's no longer an individual it's almost like it's a very Mm. suffocating kind of environment and Mm. so i think to get enveloped in that family where it's like everybody dresses the same, everybody looks the same. And it's like, she is burning away everything. Absolutely. In the long run. I mean, maybe if this is what she wants, absolutely. But for me, I just feel like it wouldn't work for me in the long run. Oh, well, Stacy, there's too much singing already for you. There's too much singing and that dancing and (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but I just mean like she was, she just became one of the crowd, you know what I mean? And it's like, she had this crowd validating her for the first time, but you lose your individualism at the same time. Yeah. And, but at the same time, there could be arguments about ego and, and, you oh, know, sure. a lot of a, a lot of this movie also is structured around mushroom use. Um, yeah. Which this I have to say, this is the best movie about mushrooms I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen a more true depiction than that moment of, oh, shit, it's a new person. And then just a Swede walks by, says hi, and they're terrified. Like, yeah, that, yeah. And the, the subtle visuals, everything. But mushroom, I mean, mushroom usage, psilocybin is about ego death. And it's right. about. Yeah, yeah kind of feeling energized and connected with things and this comes through visually with her she's the only one that actually like everyone else does mushrooms and they just kind of feel wacky she becomes one with the earth again she's really connected to nature like the grass comes through her hands or the straw blends in with her feet Mm -hmm. um so she's they're presenting her as very grounded and very much connected to the earth and and i kind of see that as a i don't know i kind of see it I, i i get the sense of collectivity scares me and like i said that's one of my triggers but also in this it for me in this like fairy tale it i see a beautiful thing about losing the things that like it's almost kind of buddhist of this losing the things that pain you and the the ego driven things and just becoming part of the whole (laughs) right Uh, but that scene that scene that you described with the women wailing for her that was for me that was absolutely my favorite moment in the film yeah um because yeah, she is seen for the first time, and they do hear her, and they. I, I liked when Pella said we do it early in the film. He says we do everything together here, right. and then I realized the second time, like that's so like having sex, dying, um, crying, like this act of keening and wailing, uh, and this that scene of those women just like they teach her how to breathe, and then they just let her scream, and they scream with her, and I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it's my own personal, like, I don't want to do everything with everybody all the time. Oh, yeah. No, and that's like... My own kind of, like, loner sort of vibe. Like, yeah. if I would be driven fucking crazy if every time I tried to say something, 
everybody knew exactly what I meant. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, I mean, not that that's every conversation they have, but you know what I mean? Oh, I mean, it would be hell on earth to live there. But my, <laughs> my, it, it just in terms of this fairy tale, especially like my first viewing, I was like, kill them all, kill all the cultists, you know? And now it's like, I want to be part of Harga. I want Pella <laughs> to take me to Sweden. You just want him to take you to the barn. I just want him to take me. I love Pella. <laughs> yeah. Man, when she becomes May Queen and also... Thank you, Ariasters, for seeing me because I love a fucking mate. The second they talk to when Pella shows her the picture on the phone and says, That's the May Queen from last year. Jason and I just smiled so big at each other. <laughs> May Queens are a big thing in my house. So I was really excited. Um <laughs> also throwback, if you've seen the Wicker Tree, there's an amazing moment where the drunk Christian evangelical girl becomes May Queen and screams at everyone, I'm the queen of May. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I love May Queens. But uh, <laughs> yeah, seeing the May. The, see, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I need a, I got too excited. Now I need a moment to collect myself. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? May Queens? Your Pella boner. Yes. Thank you, Stacy. When, <laughs> when she's crowned May Queen and um, Christian is just like being a drugged out, mopey, sad sack pud in the back. Right. And she's stand she's like about to stand on her platform and Pella comes up and he just gives her that long kiss on on the mouth and then she smiles so big after that. I was just like, he's my Disney prince in this movie about ritual cult uh murder. <laughs> I f- I found him a little creepy. I was creeped out the first time, the second time, I am in love with him and, mm. and his part of the story. <laughs> I had a very different viewing the second time. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I will too. No, but he's creepy. I do get. Yeah, I didn't get the sense before of him because he does like kind of silence her. But then it, when when they're talking about you know, oh no, I understand exactly where you're coming from. No, listen to me. I know exactly where you're coming from. But he does. Ultimately, he he really is trying to convey to her. You know, his family died too, and he knows what it's like. But he had a support system when he when his family died, whereas she doesn't. She has no support right. system right yeah yeah well yeah i mean a lot of the movie is like for the the for her sister and parents being a MacGuffin. also though the film is about how we view death and how we how it impacts us and all of that so it's about her being able to come to terms with it because it's like the memories of her sister and her family aren't good ones it's constantly she's, she's haunted by them these horrific images that's what she can't shake Whereas in the commune, they're dancing in the face of death and they almost, they embrace it. And, you know, so it's about how, you know, it's about how is she going to have these memories of her family now? Yeah. Maybe that'll change too. So this movie's about a lot. (laughs) It it could be said. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot. There's a lot of layers to it, you know? Yeah, so many delicious, delicious layers full of pervy, weird-ass Swedish illustrations. Right, yeah. yeah I love those. They got some oh, laughs. They got they're some so laughs. good. Yeah, and the yeah. movie is hilarious. I thought it right. was great. The second yeah. viewing, I actually didn't think it was as funny as I thought the first time. And I think a lot of the laughs just come from discomfort with the weirdness of it. Um, right, yeah. Or of what's happening. So I... Yeah. I I wonder, I wonder what 
Ari, I just want to know. I just want to talk to this guy and figure out his damn brain. <laughs> yeah. Because I did think, like, like I think the, the sex ritual is obviously played for laughs to an extent. Um, not at the bodies on display, which I appreciated. I appreciate that. This movie and Lords of Salem are two recent ones. And it and The Witch also. And the, is, and the end of Hereditary, too. And the end of Hereditary. We are starting. And uh, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. What do you know? All movies that I like. Uh, we're starting to see normalization of all kinds of bodies. Yeah. You know, you still get your comments about how, you know, people find it terrifying that an old woman is naked. But it's like, but the more we see these things and the more they're just treated as like a fact of life and they're not made to terrify you and they're not made to make you laugh. Like, I think it's a fucking great thing. Wait a sec. Are you saying bodies aren't inherently like sexualized or aestheticized? (laughs) Well, they don't have to be. Out of my Christian house, <laughs> I have 10,000 friends on the internet who will tell you the opposite. Well, that's true. Yeah. But I, but so the sex ritual, I like that that was not why it was funny. It was, there were other comedic touches to it. But yes. then I thought about it later and I'm like, if the roles were reversed, it, like if Christian wasn't such an asshole and if that was Danny, like he's, he's date raped in that scene like that's a date rape he's under the influence of drugs he has no idea what's going on and it's just i don't know it's just a strange reaction like i think it gets a strange reaction from the crowd because it is funny and Uh, it is it is bonkers but it's a rape scene yeah on my second viewing that's the scene that i particularly zeroed in on as not being as funny as the audience was reacting yeah um because one uh, I, I mean, you, I didn't even think of it as a rape scene, and you're absolutely right. Um, but also, like, I, I, I'm, I was really enamored with the collective keening and, and the collective moaning and wailing that happens throughout the film. Anytime someone, when the, when the elders throw themselves off this, the precipice and the, the man survives and you hear him crying and they all echo it. Yeah. Uh, I was so touched by those moments. And I, I thought it was kind of beautiful to include that with the all the women being there for this terrified girl who's losing her virginity. Right. Um, and the holding of the hand, the holding of a hand gets such a laugh because it's, it's so weird to us to, to think about. Um, right. And it, we're very sex phobic culture too, but um, yeah, I, I, it felt like, it felt like that scene wasn't supposed to be as funny as I think everyone was reacting to. I think it's, I think part, like the hand holding I thought was really beautiful i didn't think that was like yeah i I thought i think the moments that got the big laughs and i thought they were filmed in a way that was supposed to be funny was i mean christian's got some facial expressions yeah that are funny and then when the girl is like hurry up and then the old woman starts like pushing (laughs) it faster yeah like like that was funny that that was was, that was funny but for me it was particularly like the hand holding and that was like and the collective moaning was what was i was hearing some really big laughs too and i was like "Mm, i don't think that's supposed to be funny yeah maybe the collective moaning maybe because it's like you don't you don't i mean not that you have privacy when you're laying in the center of a circle but it's like there's no individual experiences. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, I don't know. 
a little weird. A little weird, yeah. <laughs> a little culty, a little weird. Yeah, and I think it. I think a lot of it is we just are going to teehee over sex regardless. Yeah, yeah. no matter. Because it makes us uncomfortable, and the best way to right. challenge yeah. discomfort is to laugh. That's a right. human, in, or I don't know if it's human as much as cultural, but yeah. Right, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this movie... Oh, this movie. Also, speaking of that moment, um, I appre- as much as I despised Christian, I appreciated uh, a generous heaving hope helping of full frontal <laughs> <Of> male nudity. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, but, I mean, once again, to so that well, thing no, of, I know. of normalizing bodies, but also like that's something I did not expect from this movie going in. And no, I didn't either. Yeah, I'm like Ari Aster, a... you're doing you're doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. And uh, boy, oh boy, Christian finally got a woman who was into sex, right? Isn't that what his friends were telling him to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's something I... I uh, he got a whole group of them. This movie is... You know, Hereditary was great to go back and watch the second time. Because uh, you see little things like the cult's insignia, like the the runes or whatever, on the telephone pole and, and things like that. Um Hereditary or that Midsummer is is just as delicious the second time also because of little things like that. Like when they're talking in the very first scene where you meet the guys and they're talking, they're trying to encourage him to break up with Danny. And Pella says, "Think of all the Swedish girls you can impregnate in June." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm sorry, she's depressed and not into sex. Right. She's depressed. He got what he deserved. He got what he fucking deserved. <laughs> she had a choice between him or that little smiley Swede. Right. She chooses him. He gets stuffed in that bear. He gets burnt alive. And Stella got her fucking groove back. <laughs> Indeed she did. The most deserved smile in film history. Probably. I I was, was clapping saying. in my head. Yeah. Oh, the whole audience started clapping, and I just like oh I was yeah, squealing, squealing. I was as soon as it <laughs> cut to as soon as it cut to black and went to the credits, everybody started clapping. But I was yeah. like, I just I I should have just done it anyway. But I stopped myself. I just I wish there was an immediate stand of just vigorous clapping. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been a beautiful image. <laughs> as this single tear sheds down thy face. Yeah, no kidding. This shit decorated my life, bitch. It decorated my life too. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy. I told, I knew I would, I just, I, sometimes I see a trailer. Most of the time I think, eh, this one, I just, I felt it smiling back at me and the whole movie, it smiled back at me. <laughs> oh yeah. I didn't even really care. Like he just, he earned, uh, he earned everything with hereditary. So I was like, I'm going to see it. I think I'm going to like it. I don't want to know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, I went in pretty unaware. Like um, he's got a he's gets a pass from me. Like anything he does, he says he's done with horror movies now. We'll see. He doesn't have any more horror scripts, he said. He's gonna move on to other genres. It's still gonna be fucked up. It's still gonna be fucked up. I All would of his love student him... films were like incest and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like I would love for him to keep making horror movies, but I will probably go see anything he does. So Yeah. I but I also see him being the kind of guy. Because he says some, he makes some claims, right? I could see him being the kind of guy that's like, maybe doesn't even consider this horror to some extent. Or right, hereditary. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, I'm just telling stories and. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe yeah. they just have lots of severed heads and <laughs> you don't know runes and shit. <laughs> you don't know. I I just feel like we're we're, we're whether it's a horror or not. I'm pretty sure the next couple of movies are still going to have some weird fucking sigils and occult shit. They're going to have grief, <laughs> family trauma, all the things oh, yeah. near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. He gets us. He gets us. Yay. Ugh. Can't wait to see it again. It's so good. I can't wait for you to see it again. Yeah. So far, I mean, this was this was my most anticipated horror movie of the year. Um, oh my god, what do I have left? <laughs> but I, I feel very happy. I feel very happy to have seen it and for it to have lived, surpassed my expectations again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Much like Suspiria. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and much like Suspiria, that runtime, I was so happy with it. I, oh, I, it didn't bother me at all. I love that he's giving time for it to fucking breathe and he lets the actress breathe all the way through it. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I was never like looking at, I don't have a watch, but if I did, I wouldn't have looked at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think some one reviewer I saw compared it to an opera in that sense. And I was like, that's very fitting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, hmm. Midsummer. Midsummer. Well, happy Midsummer, Stacy. I'm Midsummer, 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 Midsummer. midsummer. <laughs> That's the only thing it was missing was the music of Magnet. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's Midsummer. We are not yet dead. No. Uh, on the inside, I am. On the inside, we trust there is nothing. This is nothing. nothing. There's I'm nothing left. It's a just a, a shriveled husk in need yeah. of a Kenny Rogers to come and decorate it up. <laughs> So that ends. Stacy, do we have a listener question this week? Child, you know we do. Uh, we do. This one comes from Susan, who says, I applied head-on directly to my forehead in 2006, and I fell into a coma for 10 years. <laughs> what films should I see to fill in those missing years? This is... A monster of a question. And thank you, Susan, for that reference. I went all out for this one, but I will say 10 years means 2016. I feel like Susan, not to say that Susan didn't apply head on directly to her forehead in 2006. However, I feel like it ends in 2016 just so we won't mention Suspiria. Thank you. I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> Also, it's like that gives us like a three year overlap, basically, with like the bro horror era. Right. So it's it like. Was interesting. And, yeah, I was thinking like, oh, okay. So I just was thinking the last 10 years. And then I actually looked at the question. <laughs> I actually yeah. did the assignment. And then I was like, Good oh, fucking hell, Susan. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I was, I was happy I read. But yeah, yeah. 2006 to 2016 was still kind of tough. Um, but yeah. I. Wow, do I have a list? <laughs> Me too, because I went so all in. I go year by year. I got at least one movie for every fucking year. Holy shit, I didn't do that. Mine's just like a jumble of every movie I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I went year by year and was like, this is the one you should watch from this year. This is the one you should watch from that year. And because I think, like, I haven't heard Anthony's list, but we both obviously have big lists. So yeah. I think what I'll probably do is write this up and put it on our Facebook page so people can uh, access it. Oh, that sounds great. I love that. Well, I like to decorate someone's life once in a while. 
Jesus Christ. How much how much money do you think Kenny Rogers has gained via just the royalties through this episode? <laughs> my god, it won't stop. None of my tried and true methods are working. I can't get it out of my head. How do you usually get a song out of your head? <laughs> <Don't> you... <laughs> I usually find <laughs> that if I sing the theme song from the Smurfs a couple of times, that helps. <laughs> Something tells me and you're being 100% serious right I now. I am being 100% serious because it works. It gets this, it like, it just erases it. It gets the song out of my head and also it doesn't get stuck in my head. It just creates a blank slate, but this time it's not working. Look, I have tried and true methods for getting a song stuck out of your head and for curing the hiccups. I am a walking, talking old wives' tale. She's beautiful. She's youthful. She's an enigma. This swamp hag has it going on, bitch. So she come might to be me. a cryptid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the village alchemists. Except instead of giving you a plant, I just give you advice. And uh, Have you tried singing the Smurfs? Singing the Smurfs song, my dearie. <laughs> and then apply this poultice. Yeah. <laughs> So it hasn't worked, but you can try it. Next time you get a song stuck in your head, try it and tell me if it works. How does it go? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. Anyway, what movies? Huh? Yeah, what movies from 2006? Oh, yeah, we're still recording, aren't we? You... <laughs> come on, come on out of that fugue state, Stacy. <laughs> what is on that list? I'll tell you what's on mine. Yeah. Annabelle. <laughs> I did not put Annabelle on my list. <laughs> it's terrible. I it's know so it. It's so bad, but by the time you get to Alfred Woodford jumping out the window, it's just like, what is even happening? What is even happening? Don't I do just... it, Al- I mean, like, as soon as she shows up, you say, what is even happening? Because Alfrey Woodford? Woodward is what, this? What is she doing there? And then she gives up her life for the fuck it. They are so white. They are practically see-through. These people are so... Bl- Why am I talking about Annabelle? No, I'm going to save it for an Annabelle episode. <laughs> no. Uh- I can't believe you put Annabelle on your list. I just did it so we would talk about it right now like that, and then I would get you to <laughs> decorate my life with it. <laughs> I'm just trolling you. Oh. Well, what else is on your list? Uh, I'm just going to go right through my list. Um, Do it, it is, man. It is not present, presented chronologically. Uh, I just went through my movies and I looked at them and I said, I love this movie. This is going on the list. Uh, let's say uh, Lords of Salem. Great fucking movie. The Witch. Um, Black Swan. These are all episodes we've just done also. House yeah. of the Devil. Drag Me to Hell. Um, which actually both of those, House of the Devil and Drag Me to Hell, are celebrating their 10-year anniversary. Uh this year which is very exciting um innkeepers the invitation 
the final girls uh this movie we haven't talked about on this podcast but i love this film uh it's a little movie starring barbara crampton and lisa marie lisa marie who played martian girl in mars attacks not to be confused with lisa marie presley uh we are still here it's a great movie um the pact wall people terrifying uh let the right one in splinter i love splinter have people forgotten about splinter i think it's a great splinters on my list oh thank you it's a great movie uh under the skin starring everyone's favorite soon to be cast as ariel um scarlett johansson (laughs) under the under the sea (laughs) under the sea (laughs) under the sea that's all i know from (laughs) little mermaid i can't can't do any more of that joke (laughs) uh honeymoon um great great movie female director um lake mungo martyrs we've never talked about martyrs what's Uh, that you mean the remake right yeah the martyrs remake starring um the vice president from scandal as mademoiselle absolutely uh also the inside remake i haven't seen either of those i feel like i should watch oh no should we do an episode about bad french okay thank you uh babadook uh, I I know you're not a big fan, but I Rose Byrne lights my fire, and I I love her in Insidious. So Insidious, um, and then also because I was thinking about Dead Don't Die and how happy that made me, even though everyone hated that movie. Another Tilda vampire gem was uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. I really liked that movie. Mm. So that that is my my list for two. You just said that all really fast. You know, I was just gonna th- blow right through it. Well, I can blow through mine. <laughs> you're not can the you? only. You're not the only one who can blow through stuff around here. Oh yeah, two can blow in this town. Two can blow at that game. <laughs> we do have a, We have some overlap. Um, fine. I'll just say them then. Two thousand six. All the boys love Mandy Lane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People forget about that movie. I don't know if it's that great, but it's good. It looks really good. And that is a movie that could benefit from some of the homosexual agenda. Yes. Because there's a moment where you think it's going to go gay and it doesn't. And it should have. And I'm not just saying that because I like wanted to see anything. It would have been better for the movie itself. Honestly, that's my whole outlook on Amber Heard, too. Well, yeah. Duh. Should have gone gay, but it didn't. Right. Exactly. But it was 2006, so for it to be a gay movie was unthinkable. So, anyway. Oh, I never! Oh, please! Oh, my (laughs) fainting couch! (laughs) Two women press their boobs together, because that's what movie lesbians do. Anyway, 2007, Inside, Record. And of course, Mother... fuck! Yeah, Mother of Tears. No, I just put that as a joke. Thank you. No, that's not a joke. That's that's real. <laughs> She's a mother of tears! Yeah! <laughs> 2008 was a fucking great year for horror movies. I don't know how it happened, but it did. 2008, you have Lake Mungo. You have Cold Prey 2. Now, I didn't put Cold Prey on my list, but you should probably see Cold Prey as well. But you yeah, should but- definitely see Cold Prey 2. Cold Prey 2 is fucking fantastic and leaps and bounds above its predecessor. Yeah. Uh, 2008, Splinter, Pontypool, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and Left Bank. And I Murders, all from 2008. <laughs> Man, I forgot every movie ever. I feel like such a pud. Keep going. 2009, yeah, Drag Me to Hell, House of the Devil. 
there's a little movie that I like. I don't know if it's good, but I liked it called Carriers. It's got Chris Pine, Chris Maloney, and Piper Parabo. Oh, that it, movie was fucked up. I liked it, right? It's like No, a it was good. It's yeah. fucked up. It's like a, not zombies, but like a post-apocalyptic, there's been some kind of illness that has like decimated the country. And it's kind of, it's a very small, intimate film about kind of the aftermath of that, of people trying to get to a coastal town and get to safety. It's, it's a fucked up movie. It's maybe the bleakest PG-13 film ever made. (laughs) Yeah, it's super bleak. I really liked it though. Yeah, it's good. Um, another movie from 2009 that I don't know if it's actually good, but it's fun and the cast is to die for that you should see is a little something called All About Evil. Oh, so good. It's good. It's great. Yeah. Directed by Peaches Christ, one of my, one of my, my heroes. Directed by Peaches Christ, written by Peaches Christ. Peaches Christ is also in it. It's also got Jaden Nikita Ramsey. It's got Thomas Decker. It's got Natasha fucking Leone. It's got, it's got Mink, Elvira. Elvira and Mink fucking Stoll. Like, it's got the cast is unbelievable. It's fun. Check it out. 2010, Black Swan. And then a movie that other people like. I didn't really dig it the first time. I think I need to give it another chance. So this is as much to me as everybody else is Stakeland. Oh, I love that movie. I think I just wasn't in the right uh, head place at the time. I want to give it another chance. Well, here's my here's my truth. I loved Kelly McGillis in it. Okay. As that nun, she was fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. 2011, we have your next. Oh my God, I forgot everything. And Drive Angry. Yes. You, everybody talks about Mandy and how bonkers Nick Cage. If you want some bonkers Nick Cage, that is a lot of fun. Another fucking Amber Heard movie on my list. Drive Angry is a good time. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just a fun movie. Yeah. 2012. Lovely Molly. I like Lovely Molly. I don't feel like you like Lovely Molly. I like it. I need to rewatch it. I was not a fan the first time I saw it. Yeah. It's another from one of the Blair Witch dudes. It's a lot of like flashbacks and there's some footage and it could be a possession film. It could not be. We don't know what's going on. I thought the actress was terrific. I liked the setting of it. I just, I liked it. I thought it was charming. And Barbarian Sound Studio from Peter Strickland. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. If you're in the mood for some art house horror, you cannot go wrong with Barbarian Sound Studio. It's great. It's a great movie. It's fucking beautiful, fucked up movie. Incredible soundtrack. <laughs> incredible soundtrack. And a lot of the cast people that are in all of Peter Strickland's movies. And I just, I love Peter Strickland. Anyway, 2013, We Are What We Are. I've talked about it before on this show. I'll say it again. It. We Are What We Are. And a little movie I took a chance on, which has the stupidest name. It's called Jug Face. Oh, have seen, yeah. Have yeah, you seen yeah, Jug yeah. Face? Yeah, I have. I love that actress in it. The actress is fantastic. And I think it's really interesting because it's like a folk horror movie, but it takes it from a different angle where it's like you don't have the whole outsiders in this new environment. It's just about this. Yeah, it's just the insular community. That was a sad movie. It's a very sad movie. It's it's got a few wonky CGI ghost things, but they're brief. But uh, (gasps) is it? fucking sean young in that sean young and larry fessenden are a yes, couple the, the parents right yeah yeah so 
nobody ever talks about jug face i think it's i like it it was good yeah i and man props for anything with sean young man no kidding yeah 2014 uh starry eyes i know that's your favorite starry eyes (laughs) starry eyes is pretty fun i really think it's good the actress is fucking unbelievable she's great i like starry eyes and yeah that's right i'm gonna recommend it would i watch it again absolutely not it's only good one time it's especially good if you are on some like a you're on some kind of a substance perhaps just something no 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 this next movie oh oh, okay something to loosen your mood however you choose to lose maybe your mood's already loose i don't know i'm not here to judge my mood's always loose baby it's this this movie is good for one viewing and one viewing only, I think. And that movie is called Zombieverse. <laughs> I need to see it. You have really made me want to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. I I I've only seen it the one time and I feel like if I go back it's just going to be awful. But I feel like it should be seen once. It's very charming. It's I mean as you can imagine it's full of beaver jokes. It's very juvenile. But I will watch actors acting their hearts out against zombie beaver puppets any day of the week. It just sounds perfect and so cute. Yeah, yeah. Zombievers. 2015, The Invitation and The Witch, obviously. 2016, I've talked about it before, Autopsy of Jane Doe and The Boy and Train to Busan, if you want some zombie action. Love Train to Busan. Yeah. Actually, I love all of the films on your list. Um, yeah. Well, except the ones I haven't. Especially I Murders. Especially I Murders. Yeah, you like them all except for the ones you don't like. Except so for the good. ones I don't like. Well, no, but like Starry Eyes is one that I really want to watch again. Um, and Lovely Molly I want to see again, too. Because to, I don't even remember why I didn't like it. Mm. It was so long ago. And like I said, I didn't like Autopsy Jane Doe the first time I saw it. I watched it again after we talked about it on this show. And I was like, holy shit, I love this movie. What the fuck was my problem? Yeah. It's, I, Starry Eyes, I think, fits to an extent that power fantasy paradigm that I like. <gasps> you know, you're right. It actually might. Maybe I will mm-hmm. like it if I think about it as I if, in those terms when I watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, I need to check it back. That is a great list, Stacey. You did you did the assignment. I feel like the girl in Drop Dead Gorgeous who's like, I think I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> no, you listed movies. No yeah, one but said you got like shit. You got like to... all the ones I like. I can't believe I forgot fucking Record or Cold Prey 2 or uh, Pontypool. Yeah. Well, I'll it's because I went year by year. It's because I went year by year. Yeah, and I panicked and stared at my movies like five minutes before I <laughs> got on here. <laughs> 2008 was a great year for horror. It's crazy. What was that again? What was 2008? Lake Mungo, Cold Prey 2, Left Bank, Let the Right One In, Martyrs, Pontypool, and Splinter. And Eye Murders. Yeah, that was a good year. And Eye Murders. Best of all, Eye Murders. (laughs) The crowning achievement, I mean. Yeah, I mean best of the century so far right i just imagined little annabelle and she's putting a little sash and a tiara on eye murders and she hands a bouquet (laughs) that's the world i want to live in but she she'll command someone else to do it because she's not gonna fucking do it no she doesn't do it she just sits there and sits there yeah so if you put if you put a sash on her she'll wear it but 
buy one of the thousand dollar replicas of her and put a little sash on her, a little tear a little cowboy hat and a little cow a little uh guitar we love annabelle what can we say i can't help it i have a problem i have nothing else i'm grieving yeah it's been a tough week <laughs> it's been a time it's been a time we've been on adventures to sweden and back to hell and back to no ac and yeah. back <sighs> Melting. To Kenny Rogers. To Kenny Rogers. I feel like I'm living in a Kenny Rogers Roasters. You probably are. You should Maybe I am. Maybe that's what it is. Not a giant rotisserie and a giant Kenny Rogers outside your window just like, oh, there's a Dougie hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're in Rue Morgue, probably. That's why we're in Rue Morgue, and that's why you all need to rate, subscribe, and share. Here's the thing. Tell your friends about this podcast, because we want we want to reach... We want to reach into all of your hearts. Mm, yeah. That's all we want to do. So please share with your <laughs> friends, relatives, family. Um, link us. Link us. Link us to people. Tell us. Yeah. Tell people about it. Even if they don't like horror movies. Say, like, do you like queer shit? Check this out. Right. You'll have a good time. Do you like to listen to things? Here you go. Do you have ears? Have you do had you have an ears? ear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, wow. Some good advertising. Thank you. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my, my god. god! Oh, oh my, my god. god! Tune in next time for more games!